Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Let's just extend that a little bit more. God is worthy. Lord, we love you. We love your presence that we feel today. Speak to us, God, because we want to honor you because you have chosen us, Lord. We're so honored. We're so thankful. We worship you. We praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You can go ahead and be seated. Just so thankful for the opportunity to serve the Lord, to be here in Kansas City on assignment, to be in this service with you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and just the awesome things that God is doing through us, through the body of Christ, and we get to celebrate to the, that today, and I'm so thankful. I give honor to Pastor Gleason, him and his wife, are out of t- Sister Gleason are out of town today, but um, he's been praying over this service. He's been such an encouragement, and I'm thankful for Brother Justin Gleason and just, just this opportunity. We are going to start today reading in Revelations, and Today's theme is our multicultural service. We just want to celebrate multiculturals. So we're going to start with Revelations chapter 7, verse 9 through 17. And you can stay seated. I'm going to read um, all of this, and I'm going to read out of the ESV version. So Revelation 7, 9 says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, and people and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Can you picture this? And crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, amen. Then one of the elders answered me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know, He said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he sits on the throne and will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of them And the the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Can you envision this with John? He's seeing heaven. This is what we're living for right now. To someday go to heaven. To someday experience what we experience today. Different tribes, different people groups, different languages, all before the throne of God, worshiping him and magnifying him, are seeing our savior face to face. There won't be any more troubles. There won't be any more pain, no more sickness, no more diseases, no more aches, no more struggles to get out of a seat at the church because you want to come to church on Sundays, no more COVID-19. We're going to be with Jesus. No more divisions, no more confusion, groups of people, tribes, every nation, every tongue will magnify God and we'll see him face to face. Amen. Amen. 
Corinthians tells us that we, right now we're seeing through a glass darkly. We don't truly know him. We know a glimpse of Jesus. But one day we're going to really, really know him. And we're going to truly understand who we are in him. We're going to really know and be truly free indeed because we'll be with him. We'll experience his love and joy and peace, clarity for eternity. In heaven, literally forever, literally every nation, every tribe, every people group, every tongue, we're going to be with him forever and ever. Amen. I'm just excited about that today. I'm excited about that. Let's just take, take a moment. Let's worship the Lord. Let's worship him. God, one day we're going to be with you. I worship you. I praise you, Jesus. This world is not our home, God, but I'm so thankful that one day we'll be with you forever and ever and ever, Jesus. We'll be in his presence. We'll be in his presence. We'll be in his presence. We'll be in his presence and there will be liberty and there will be joy. There will be unity. There will be peace. We'll be with our Savior. As you can imagine, it's just, it's all the colors. I'm thinking about being around the throne of God and all the colors, the shades from dark all the way to light. Because Jesus is the creator of color, right? And it's going to be colorful and colors and colorful and languages just worshiping him, kind of like a mosaic piece of art. And I'm not an artist. I don't necessarily enjoy lots of art. I'm just disclaimer now. In fact, um, I think I've been once to the Nelson Art Museum here in Kansas City and Modern art confuses me, so I don't even try to understand it because I just get frustrated, so I just move on. But I do like mosaics. Does, does anyone know what I'm talking about when I say mosaic? I have a couple pictures for those who don't know. Mosaics are, are just so interesting. I, I first discovered them or paid attention to them when I was in the Middle East for three months and we were traveling through Jordan and in Israel. And so we saw these different mosaics and I was just in awe, like how these pieces, random pieces just come together and make something so beautiful. And um, so I think about that when I think about heaven, when I think about multicultures being around the throne. And so I'm just going to just share a little bit of information about uh, mosaics. Okay, so here's what the encyclopedia says. A mosaic is a decoration of a surface with designs made up of, of a closely set, usually various colored small pieces of material, such as stone and minerals, uh, glass tiles or shells. And they're not inlaid, like they don't dig out and create a space for them. They're just pressed down on, on a surface. And um, once a mosaic is created, if a piece is broken off, you can't go back and fix it perfectly like it was because all pieces are just so unique and so different. But once they're laid, it's just, you know, you have a masterpiece. And that's kind of what, that's kind of what I think about when I think of multicultures. And it's kind of what I think about when I think about uh, John's vision of people from all nations, tribes and languages. He, you just, God just, or he orchestrated us, he designed us, he created us, and we can't replace or, or improve on what he does. It's his masterpiece. So let's just go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. We're done looking at the mosaics. Um, let's go back to the beginning where it all started. God, the master creator and designer. He was described by several in, in scriptures as God of gods, the Lord of lords, and the King of kings. Genesis 2, 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. 
So we can say that God, the artist of artists, he created men in his image. He formed him from dust. And dust are just little particles of material. It's little particles of material that didn't exist and then God created them and he spoke it and then they existed and then he put some, some of the, a bunch of them together and he created a masterpiece, mankind. So man, individually, we are a beautiful mosaic masterpiece made in the image of God. The artist of artists looked at his masterpiece and he saw that it was very good. Not just good, very good. You're very good. He saw that you're very good. No one or no thing could improve upon what the artists of artists created. Packed in mankind are so many intricate pieces that continue to blow our minds. How our bodies operate, our brains, which are the natural computers that tell us how to function, how we grow and reproduce. It's amazing. What an amazing designer. What amazing artist. God gave his masterpiece, Adam and Eve, a command. In Genesis 1.28, he told them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And that's exactly what they did. The first man, Adam, and Eve, the mother of all living, multiplied. And if we look around, we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. All of us were descendants of Adam and Eve. In fact, they did such a great job that right now there's almost 8 billion people in this world. They followed God's command. And during the creation, when God created man, he created something called DNA. And I'm not a scientist either, but I just know a little bit. He created something called DNA. And in our DNA, there are things called genes. And those genes, those little bitty parts of the DNA are responsible for our outward appearance. The color of our skin, the color of our hair, the color of our eyes, how tall we get or how short we stay. Those genes that God created, this one tiny part of all of us, our genes. And those genes have gotten, had made things so complicated for us after sin. And we'll talk about that because everyone's looking up on the outward appearance, right? It started way back in time. Can you imagine Adam and Eve's conversation as they started to multiply? Well, this one has brown hair. Where does red hair come from? What about these blue eyes? Whoa, look at those purple eyes. Just such a variety that was intentional. It's not an accident. It wasn't, oops, where did that come from? God designed us that way on purpose. A masterpiece. He looked at man and he said, this is very good. Very good. Our outward appearance is part of God's plan. And he created us in his image, a mosaic of differences, different personalities, thank the Lord. Different talents, talents like those singers back here, praise the Lord. That's not me either. <laughs> but he created us all so differently, but it was on purpose. So I just want to take a moment to pause. I know we don't always think about this truth, but just because we don't think about it doesn't mean it's not true. Sometimes it crosses our minds and then we want to put it away. And I already mentioned it. We're all related. All of us are related. I know what I think about when I think about my relatives, right? I love them. My mom, my dad, my sisters, and I'm so glad to have one of them here today. My brother, my in-laws, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. I love them. Do I get along with them all the time? No. Do we all look alike? 
No, but I love them. Uh, family reunions are so much fun because we have family from the literally the East Coast to the West Coast, from the North to the South, all over the United States. Our families, um, they just happen to be good Catholics and they were multiplying just like God told Adam and Eve. So we've got family all over the place. And I've got family, I've got black in my family, whites, Mexicans, Russians, Moroccans. I mean, it's just beautiful, a beautiful masterpiece, a beautiful mosaic of God's creation. And I love them. I love my family. And and I want them all to be saved. I want them all to be saved. So if I think about that, and then I look around here, I'm like, but I'm related to you all too. You're my family. Most of you I've known and I've talked to you. Some of you I don't know yet, but I guarantee you that we probably all don't, will always agree on things, right? <laughs> In fact, we'll probably disagree on a lot. We may have even butted heads and it's probably my fault and I apologize if I haven't done it already. But we're still family. We came from Adam and Eve. Uh, so that, that kind of, I mean, that's kind of cool, right? And then it's kind of like, ugh. I feel this weight of responsibility. I feel like now I need to honor you. I need to respect you. I need to protect you. I need to help you. We're family, we're family. Okay, that's cool, that's cool. We're gonna, I got that, we're all family. What about outside these doors? What about our neighbors just across the street at the Methodist church? They're probably having church right now from the bloodline of Adam. What about the kids that go to Longview College just down the street? What about the homeless who lives under the bridge, the freeway outside in the open or in, in their cars? What about the people in Unity Village on the other side of 50 Highway? We're family. God designed that on purpose. What about my brothers and sisters on James A. Reed Road at the mosque? What about those at the gas station? We don't look alike. We may not even speak the same language. We definitely won't always agree. Definitely won't always agree. But we're related. We're family. We're family. That This kind of weighs on me. And it's supposed to. It's supposed to. Okay. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis continues the story of the count of men when they decided, uh, you know, we might have a better idea than God. I'm going to listen to Satan. He's got a good idea. He, th he says that I can know it all and I want to know it all, right? I want to be as wise as God. So man made the choice to sin and because of sin, Death entered into the world and everything that God said was good started to deteriorate. Satan had sabotaged mankind and we're still reeling from those effects today. Sin entered into the world and now mankind has to contend with the works of the flesh. I won't read it all now, but if you go to Galatians chapter 5, it lists the works of the flesh that just came in. But here's a few. Enmity, strife, jealousies, rivalries dissensions and divisions and envy. And those are, those are relationship things. That's relationships. And they're all relationships. There's more. But if we do those things, we don't get to inherit the kingdom of God. That's what scripture says. And it just messed everything up. Satan messed everything up. Man was tempted and just messed everything up. And now we are combating that to this day. 
And it brought other things like sickness and diseases, cancers and deformities, mental illnesses, and, and now what we call PTSD. We've just been plunged into evil that would only get worse and worse because of sin. Where once we were able to enjoy just only knowing good, now we know good and evil. Where once man was able to enjoy the Garden of Eden, they were cast out. Where once man was able to enjoy the presence of God without restraint, now we're distracted with daily toils. When once there was unity, there was now division. When once there was peace, there was now murderers. Scriptures tells us that sin dominated man's ungodly living. Few sought God and, and, and repented, but most just did their own thing. And so finally God was so disgusted with what he had once saw was very good. He said, I'm going to wipe it out. And we know the story. And, um, he told Noah to build an ark and Noah and his family were saved and the animals that they brought into the ark. But generations of people were wiped out because of sin. Later on, after God gave the rainbow and a promise never to destroy earth in that way again, Noah and his family, they multiplied and they did a good job again. But sin remained. Man continued to seek their own way. And, and finally they were like, oh, we're full of pride. They're like, we're going to build a tower to heaven. We're going to make a name for ourselves and we're going to remain in one place. Well, that's not what God had planned for them. He's like, no, nope, I'm going to disrupt that. So he disrupted their work. He didn't want that tower built and he didn't want them making a name for themselves. They didn't have to, they didn't need to. So he disrupted. And so he confused their languages. Another division was created as a result of sin. Mankind became divided by now their languages and they spread out throughout all the earth, which is what God's plan was initially. But now there was an even greater division to, for Satan to use as a wedge between people groups. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. But I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. From the very beginning, God had a plan for a man to have an abundant life. Jesus put it this way. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When you have those things, and you can, that's abundant life. But Satan's plan is the opposite of God's. God created man without sin. Satan tempted man to sin. God's kingdom is righteousness. Satan brings unrighteousness. God's kingdom is peace. Satan brings discord and strife. God's kingdom is joy. Satan brings along fear. So everything that God has planned, all the good, Satan's going to try to sabotage it. We need to be aware of this. We need to understand this and know it and recognize it. But we don't have to be afraid of it. We don't have to be afraid about it, but we do get to do something about it. Sin has screamed out that God's masterpiece is not good enough, so I'm going to make it better. That's what sin says. And then we get caught up in that. Like, well, God says and his plan is not good enough, so I'm going to make it better. And we ended up making things worse. Look at history, time after time. So we become dissatisfied, or man has become dissatisfied with themselves or dissatisfied with others. There's fightings, there's wars. Even families are rising up against each other. Lots of disharmony and trust. From that point on, and it continues even now, sin has just ranked havoc. But God, the master artist, he said, although man and sin has disrupted and, and ruined this masterpiece, I alone can make it right. What no one else can make right, I can make it right. And that was his plan from the very beginning. We hear from the Old Testament uh, prophets as they, as they foretold that the Savior would come to defeat Satan and the miraculous would happen. The Savior would be born of a virgin. 
and his name would be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So Jesus, because we've got scripture and they had such great record keeping, he didn't have to do a DNA test to find out where he came from. And so they traced his genealogy back. And we know that Joseph's, his stepfather was, his earthly father was traced all the way back to Abraham and all the way back to Adam. And we know that his mom, Mary, came from somewhere, right? All the way back to Adam and Eve. Jesus had the same bloodline as Adam. Jesus had the same bloodline as us. Really? This divine human, Jesus, his bloodline goes back to Adam. True story. There was a man named Robert Lawson, a black Pentecostal leader in the early 1900s. He created a stir when he pushed back against Jim Crow laws that had uh, filled the United States and were making their way into the church. For those of you who don't know, Jim Crow laws mandated segregation of public schools, public places, transportation, restaurants, and water fountains, solely based on skin color. So if you were dark, you went to this water fountain. If you were light, you went to this water fountain. If you were black, this one. If you were white, that one. So Robert Lawson said, that's not righteous. That's not of God. In fact, let me share this with you. And he wrote and he preached that according to the standard, the Jim, Law, the Jim Crow standards, one sixteenth Negro blood, if our Lord would go down south incognito, if Jesus would come incognito, he would be Jim Crowed because he had one sixteenth of Negro blood in him. Jesus would have to eat at the black or drink at the black water fountain. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the stir that he created? in the early 1900s. They did not like to hear that. And he said, Jesus is our kinsman redeemer. We're from the same blood. We're from the same blood. We're from the same blood. The ideals back then weren't righteous and they're not righteous now. The enemy will do everything he can to divide and to blind us. And since I'm talking to the church today, I just want us to, to take a look at ourselves. Take a look at ourselves. I'm thankful for the Life Church. We are a disciple-making church, amen? amen? We believe that God has told us to go and share the gospel with the whole world. Not only share, but make disciples. But how are we doing reaching the nations? How are we doing reaching someone who looks different from us? Does it really matter? Let's take a look at what Jesus said. Jesus had spent three years with the disciples. He was buried, or he was crucified, buried, and he rose again, and he spent a few more days with them, 40 days. What is the last thing Jesus talked about with his disciples before he ascended into heaven? The very last thing of all the things he could have talked about, the very last thing he said is, hey guys, you're gonna receive power, Acts 1.8, to be witnesses unto me in Judea, I'm sorry, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And if you know history, the Jews had a problem with Samaria. So you're going to go back to Samaria. I'm not going to be with you, but you're going to go back to Samaria. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth. It's not over. And then he was gone. Those are the last words. The last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples was about reaching the nations. So if you can imagine the disciples, they're intently listening to Jesus, hanging on to every word because they've had such a great three-year adventure with him face-to-face -face as a divine man. 
And then he tells them, you're going to get power. Like, yes, power. I want power. We want power, right? You can get power to be witnesses. Why do we need power to be witnesses? Could it be because being a witness to the other most part of the earth isn't easy? Could it be witnesses to love someone who isn't lovable? Is really hard for us? Could it be to that Satan, because of sin, has plagued our minds with fear that we can go in and interact with someone who looks different, who sounds different, who eats different, who dresses different, who lives in a different part of the world than I do? We need power. And he told them, I'm giving you power. So that means the expectation is because you will have power, you are going to go reach the uttermost part of the earth. That is the expectation. That's the last thing that Jesus told his disciples. Amen. And it hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Thank you, Jesus. It hasn't changed because we have power today. The disciples obeyed. They received the power of God. And when you know, he gave them a jump start. what they had maybe been worried about, like, how am I going to get to the ends of the earth? Where am I going to get time to go to the continent of Africa and Australia? And where do I have time? Where do I have the money? Oh my gosh, I got to quit my job. And then what? Win the lottery. I don't know. <laughs> but he made a way for them. Yeah. When you know on the day of Pentecost that the world, the nations came to them. The nations came to Jerusalem and because Philip, or I'm sorry, Peter had the power of God on him. He was, he tore down the house with preaching and those who gladly received the word, they were baptized in Jesus name and over 3000 people were added to the church that day. Not only were they added to the church, but Acts chapter uh, three or two, 42 talks about, and they continued in the apostles doctrine. They continued and they became disciples who make disciples because that's what we do. Amen. Amen. And so that same power is with us today. And I'm asking us to take a look, the purpose of the service. We don't want to just celebrate what we're currently doing. I'm thankful for what we're currently doing, but is it enough? Are you individually reaching your world? Not just people who look like you. Are you reaching out to the nations? Are you willing to talk with someone who speaks a different language? Well, how do I do that? Hmm. I could take an, a sign language class. Hmm. I could take a Spanish class. Maybe I can just learn the sign I love you, like Sister Christy talked about today, that speaks to her heart and says, Pastor Gleason took time, he takes time to tell me that he loves me. It just touches my heart. We can all do this. What are you doing individually to fulfill the Great Commission? And sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes it is scary. And if we don't acknowledge it, it won't change, but it's okay to say, God, I don't like them. I think they're weird. Help me. He knows it anyway. He already knows. So what are you going to do about it? Do you remember the story of Ananias in Acts chapter eight, where God said, Hey, you know, Saul, the guy that's trying to kill you. Go tell him about me. And he did. And Saul was saved and nations were changed. What about Philip? Philip was having revival in Samaria. And that was a miracle because Philip was having revival in Samaria. They didn't like Samaria and he was having revival. And God said, hey, stop. 
I want you to move on to the Ethiopians. And he did. And the Ethiopians' lives were changed. What about Peter? I won 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost. I'm good. I'm, I'm good being here in Jerusalem. I'm good here being with my people. And God says, no. Go to the Italians. Go preach. And he did. Cornelius and all of his house were saved and God moved in the Italian community. If we ask God, he'll speak to us. If you listen, he'll speak to you. He's speaking to us today. Will you obey? If the musicians will please come, go ahead and stand. What can I do, Sister Vanita? Listen to that still small voice that God is speaking to you. Thank God for Sister Sherry, pa uh, Sherry Padgett who's, who decided to give a sign language class and then go on uh, live stream our signing. So now we're reaching our deaf community here in the Kansas City area and beyond. Amen. Thank God for that. Thank God for Sister Nushin and Brother Simeon, her husband. We heard from her earlier where she's like, God, what can I do for you? And somehow she just crosses path with some Afghan refugees here in Kansas City. And she speaks their language. And her and Simeon said, yes, we'll go help them. Amen. Thank God for that. Thank God for Brother Santomiero, who does a great job of keeping our website and Facebook page updated with relevant, timely information so that we're reaching nations here in Kansas City and beyond the United States. Amen. Thank God for the idea that we have. We're going to teach, well, we're going to start our classes again in January to teach English to our immigrants in our community that we can make friends with and make disciples. There's another opportunity. Thank God for Sister Gleason who sits over on this side, obeyed God and walked all the way over to this side to meet Ben, her new disciple, and pray with him and changed his life. And now he's making disciples with a specific people group. And he's forever changed. God spoke and she listened. God is speaking to you. You have skills, you have talents. And then you have fears. And God says, I will take care of that fear. I know exactly what to do with it. I'm challenging us today. We've got to reach our world. Jesus' last words to the disciples said, go to all the world. I'm giving you power. Don't waste the power that you have to walk across the aisle. And if you don't, if you're scared, meet someone here. There's 18 different cultures. Have you met our Nigerian brothers and sisters? Have you met our brother from Ghana? Have you met our Jamaicans? Have you met our Salvadorians? Practice it right here, here at the Life Church. You can do this. You've got the power of the Holy Ghost. Let God speak to you today. He has someone for you to reach. We're going to come and pray. I challenge you, just come and pray, God, touch our hearts. We've got the nations right here in Kansas City. They're at the grocery store. They're at the gas station. They're at the supermarket. They're at the beauty supplies. 
They're in our schools. We can't waste the power that God has given us. We are salt and light in this earth. We have no excuse. We just got to give ourselves to Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you saved us. You called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. And you have filled us with your spirit, God. Not to keep it to ourselves. But God, you have commanded us to go to the nations. Every tribe, every people group, every language, God. Stir our hearts today that we will reach out. That we'll be willing to be uncomfortable, God. We need you today. We need you, Jesus. God, put a burden in our hearts.